Our first scripture reading is Psalm 77. Psalm 77. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, that he may hear me. In the day of my trouble I seek the Lord. In the night my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. I think of God and I moan. I meditate and my spirit faints. You keep my eyelids from closing. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old and remember the years of long ago. I commune with my heart in the night. I meditate and search my spirit. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love ceased forever? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? And I say, it is my grief that the right hand of the Most High has changed. I will call to mind the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your work and muse on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is so great as our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have displayed your might among the peoples. With your strong arm you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. The very deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies thundered. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the mighty waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Amen. Our second scripture reading this morning is a long one, so please buckle up. Uh, it is in the Gospel of John, chapter 11, verses 17 through 45. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, 
and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a, co- it was a cave, and a stone was laying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he, said, when he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to him, them, Unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. Word of God. Alicia, when I sat down, said, your, your papers look precarious. You need to flatten them out or I'm going to be stressed the whole time. So uh, if you'll ever see her whisper in my ear, it's normally something pretty similar to that. Uh, so earlier this week, when Chuck asked me to preach this morning, He said it was because he had to prepare a eulogy. Preaching can be daunting, and eulogies even more so. So I was happy to oblige, but I've struggled with what to talk about. All week, as I've prepared for this, Peter's been on my mind. And after Peter passed, I knew I couldn't just preach the normal weekly lectionary text, but I also couldn't just re-eulogize Peter. I didn't know what to do in the situation. And to be honest with you, I haven't been able to think of more than Peter and how much harder it'll be now that he's left us. It was hard preparing a sermon and knowing that he wouldn't be here to, to give me notes afterwards. I'm feeling grief for my friend, and I know many of you are as well. But I've always heard that sermons are, tend to be preached to the preacher first. So if you all put up with it, I'll just share with you all what God has given me today. Our scripture today is from the Gospel of John, chapter 11. And we see a number of examples of grief and how grief is responded to. In the story, we read of Mary and Martha, two women in Bethany outside of Jerusalem, in the middle of grief over the loss of their brother Lazarus. When Jesus shows up and the story picks up, We see that Lazarus has been dead for four days. Mary and Martha are still in the throes of grief at this time. Both of them, upon seeing Jesus say the same thing, they say, Lord, if only you'd been here, our brother wouldn't have died. There's so much that can be read into that simple phrase. The fact that both of them said it just reiterates how important it is to us. At first, there's these traditional aspects of grief. There's anger, there's bargaining. They seem angry coming into contact with a friend of theirs who seemingly could have stopped this tragedy before it occurred and didn't. But more than that, they're questioning the place of God in their tragedy, in their grief. They see the divinity of Jesus 
and they feel in that moment that God has failed them. In our moments of grief, it's easy for God to feel far away, or at least for us to question God's intentions or control in that moment. I remember the first time that I was grieving and questioning God's place in my grief, when I was questioning if God was in control, when I was questioning God's providence. I was a young boy. I was like eight or nine. And my mom sat me down and told me that my best friend's parents were getting a divorce and that he would be moving far away. He moved to Ohio. It's really not that far away in the grand scheme of things. But at the moment, that felt like Timbuktu. As I swallowed this information, my mind was reeling. To my kid understanding in that moment, that what I understood of divorce was basically saying that that marriage wasn't supposed to happen, which made me question what was my friend's place in life in this situation, because clearly kids only come for marriage. That's how this works. I was really confused. But at the same time, my relationship with God and my understanding of God in that moment made me question everything of what was happening, what was going on, what was God going through. It was my first real crisis of grief, even though now it seems relatively trivial, especially in the fact that he's still my best friend. I see him all the time. But my misunderstanding of God in this moment amplified my grief. It added to it as I was even at that young age unsure where God was in that situation. This is the same for Mary and Martha. Of course, they're mad at their friend, but they're also mad at God because they see Jesus not only as a teacher, but also as the divine. They see Jesus for who Jesus is. So they have to look at him and say, did God want this to happen? Was this God's plan? Why did God do such a thing? As I was thinking about this this week, I couldn't help but think about the fact that we've heard Peter ask these same questions. So often, questions as innocuous as, well, you know, what is consciousness and all of this stuff, to why does God let bad things happen to good people? How do some prayers get answered and some seem to go unheard? But these questions come up in grief, too. They're questions that we struggle with even as we go through life as a believer. But like Mary and Martha, we do not face these struggles alone. The text tells us that Mary and Martha are surrounded by friends, supporting them in grief, being with them and helping them while they mourn. It's four days after Lazarus' passing, and yet they're still there, comforting with their presence. I'm reminded of the book of Job, the one time that Job's friends do something good, when they sit on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. Sometimes in the midst of our grief, being there matters. Having someone there with a warm smile and a hug can do all it can do to ease our burdens, the questions, and the fears. Now, it can't take them away. It doesn't make it disappear, but it makes it easier. And so many of us have experienced this, right? When we have someone that we love pass away, we have folks around us who can bring food, who can be a hand, who can smile and hug and tell them that they're there. 
It's in this moments of grief that we are able to lift up those around us and show the light, the love of Christ to them. Mary and Martha also show to us in this story that grief is not something that just goes away. It's been four days and there's no one sitting there telling them that they're wasting time by mourning, that they should get on with the regularly scheduled program. Grief takes time and it takes space. It's not a linear progression either. It is not something that over time just goes away. It is something that like a nosy neighbor just shows up and just puts a tent up in your living room weeks, days, and years away from the thing you're grieving. But that's why community is even more important in our lives because community is there day in and day out. We're not there to coax folks into feeling better or to help them sweep their pain under the rug. But instead, we continue to sit, to listen, to laugh, and cry. Even through all this, though, the person I want to focus on in this story the most is Jesus. So often, like Mary and Martha did, we see Jesus show up in a story and we look at his divine side. We look at Jesus as the God in that situation. But we, so we look at these miracles, we look at what he performs, but we need to sometimes look at him as a human, as a person, because God is there. Jesus is both God and man. He is still feeling the same things that we feel. Jesus shows up and redeems the feelings that we feel. Jesus shows up and redeems the parts of life that we go through. And so in this story, we see the humanity of Jesus in Jesus' grief. Not only is Jesus mourning his friend, Jesus isn't in the safest of situations coming to Bethany either. Uh, So like the story says, Bethany is right outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is where Jesus will ultimately be crucified. They understand that this is kind of like a hotbed situation. Probably shouldn't go there. In the text right before what we read today, Thomas looks at the other disciples and said, if he's going to Bethany, we should go with him because he's going to die, so we need to die with him. They basically understood that it was not a safe place for Jesus to be in that moment. Can you imagine a situation so tense where the very act of mourning a friend is dangerous to you? It seems far off to us, but that's what Jesus is going through right here. So there's a lot on his mind as he's going to Bethany to see his friend. Another part of this is the fact that, that Jesus has been working these miracles Throughout the Gospel of John, we see Jesus perform a number of miracles, walking on water, healing the sick, feeding the multitudes. But in the Gospel at this point, there has been no bringing someone back from death. The idea of bringing a man dead for four days back to life seems daunting, seems impossible. So not long ago, I heard a seminary friend of mine talking about this text. She pointed out the fact that in the Gospel of John, there's this really interesting literary thing to where there are mirror analogs to all of the, the miracles. So basically, the, the miracles, the early part of the text, happen again in the back part of the text. So there's six miracles, and then there is Lazarus raising from the dead. And then there are six more miracles, and then there's the Passion. And this is so fascinating to me because it makes... If you, unless you count the resurrection of Christ, there's no real mirror 
analog for Lazarus's resurrection. It kind of stands on its own as a, as a centerpiece in between all of these other miracles. And that really just points out how in this story, this is such a pivotal moment. Because if you're going to compare it to anything, you're comparing it to Jesus's resurrection. Can you imagine all the things that would be going through Jesus's head in this moment? He's not done this before. And it is his friend. He knows that he can do it. He feels he can do it. There is a confidence there. But there's also, in any other situation, just like in any other situation, a, a weariness, a hesitance, an anxiety. Jesus is feeling this all at the same time. But all of these feelings, this, this worry of what is to come, this anxiety about what could happen, does not scratch the surface of the grief that Jesus is feeling. Now, uh, a couple of weeks ago in Sunday school, Donna told us a story about a church she grew up in where each week, folks, everybody would stand up one by one and say a different Bible verse they learned that week. And there was a man who couldn't read. And each week he just stood up and said, Jesus wept and sat back down. Do you all remember the story? Or did I make it up? Okay. Um, there's always a chance. Uh, it's this, so it's the shortest single verse in the English Bible. But it's such an important thing to remember. Jesus wept. Jesus is moved by Mary's mourning of her brother, and he asks to go see where Lazarus is laying. Upon seeing him, we get this verse. Not in my translation, apparently. I didn't realize that when I was writing this, and I'm sorry. Upon seeing him, Jesus weeps. Jesus, as an example of us, lived through and redeemed all of human life, and this is where Jesus is showing us that there is beauty in grief. What we see in these two little words is that Jesus felt grief for his friend. He was saddened that his friend went through this. He was saddened by the effect it had on his family. And he was saddened to see his friend in that state. So in this story, we see believers grieving a loss, but we also see Jesus grieving a loss. Remember that the next time you find yourself in a moment of grief and despair, that the God of the universe has gone through this as well, has felt these feelings as well. You see, so often when we talk about the Lazarus story, we go straight to the miracle. We go straight to Jesus shows up. And this guy's been dead four days and he stinks and he's wrapped up. But he says, get up and he gets up and walks out. It's a fascinating image, definitely. But when we go straight to the miracle, we skip over the other miracle. God had a friend. Jesus had a friend that had an impact on him and his life. In that moment, he was gone. And he wept. He had real complicated feelings that sometimes can be so overwhelming, so palpable that nothing else in the world feels like it's there, that everything else feels distant or flattened. It doesn't matter whether what he was grieving was permanent or not. Why would it be that we overlook the miracle of the God of the universe having a friendship with a guy named Lazarus. 
I think it's because grief can be so overwhelming that it upsets us to see God succumbing to it. It upsets us to see Jesus break down and cry over his friend, especially when we're grieving a friend of our own. It seems below God or more aptly apart from God. Like we talked about with Mary and Martha earlier, the fact that they did not feel like this would have happened if God was there. They obviously felt like God wasn't feeling these feelings as well. But today, remember that God is present in your grief. God is grieving with us. And y'all, God's got all the time in the world. Let us pray.